Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. Today, I have a pleasure to talk with my second guest in this podcast, Marita Fridjan, the co-owner and CEO of Sierra Global. The Sierra Global is the first ICF-accredited system-inspired coaching training provider and the creator of organization and relationship system coaching. I joined the OR series a few years ago, and it was an eye-opener for me, and it literally changed the way I work and approach things. It allows me to address the challenges organizations face at different level, be able to work with not only teams, but organizations and leaders, and later on create a certified Agile leadership development program, and also wrote my new book, The Agile Leader. So Marita and her work is my inspiration from then, and I keep following her talks, podcasts, and books. And now speaking of books, you're finishing a new book for leaders who want to adopt a different approach of leadership right? So can you share a little bit about that? Thank you, uh, Zuzi, and it's such a pleasure to be in conversation with you again. Uh, we have created so much from emergence and co-created that it's always a pleasure. I think that one of the things that we're becoming more aware of as we are working with systems and focusing on the interdependence, the relationship part of the systems, if you can think of a that everybody on a team holds a piece of string and everybody in the team is connected through that string. Everybody in the enterprise is connected through that same string. And so if you, if you pull at one string, then it reverberates through the entire web of that connection. So that's the focus of the work that we do when we talk about relationship systems. It's on that interdependent piece. And when we work with organizations and we think clients, it's actually that relationship web that is that we hold as the client. Everybody else is uh, voices of that web. So when we begin to look there, then um, it really becomes clear that most of the work that we do need to be systems inspired meaning that we need to be able to find what the system itself, the team itself, that relationship web, what it wants or what it needs. Because yet that is different from what each individual needs. So when we talk about systems inspired, it really is about if we need to make a decision, and it's not me as a leader that needs to make it, but it is the collective input from everybody that is sitting on the team, that's more likely to be systems inspired. 
So simple way to think of it is that it's an input model, not that necessarily we will be able to comply with all of it or to do all of it, but it's systems inspired in the sense that it lives, the answers live with everybody and gets expression through that web of connection. That's systems inspired. So if we talk about systems inspired leadership, that's the key piece that leadership is inspired by the system and leadership is a role. It's not only mine as a CEO, but there are moments in which other players on the team actually will have the answers. So that's what we're talking about as systems inspired leadership, that it really lives amongst all of us, not just me as the leader. The system inspired leadership promotes a creative way of working that calls for a deeper quality of dialogue. So what needs to change in organizations to have that higher level of quality in dialogues? Well, what is interesting is the book is actually based on the application of our five principles of uh, relationship systems intelligence and this approach that is how do we bring that and how do we bring this collect, uh, collectivity to leadership. And what we did was we actually interviewed a large number of leaders in organizations and in other leadership, NGOs, other leadership roles, government, to find out after they've done our training on relationship systems coaching, how did it impact their leadership? So it's when we're looking at some of that empirical evidence in terms of what is different for a leader when this approach is used that we could see the competencies that we need to be able to execute on this systems inspired leadership model. And one of the key things that showed up in just about everybody that we interviewed is that the leader talk about, talks about how he, she felt less stressful. It felt like it was lighter work because it wasn't all theirs to do as a leader. So one of the most consistent responses that we see empirically and in the work that um, we are busy with as well and other practitioners, where we use this model where leadership is a role that belongs to the system. It's not just mine, but at any given moment in time, anybody can pick that role up. When we lean into that web of wisdom in that way, leadership becomes easier it creates more belonging. It creates a different wisdom uh, from which decisions can be made. So that's one of the big impacts that we see in the organizations that we're working with. Mm. What is um, the secret of uh, becoming there, becoming understand that system, right? Because uh, <laughs> when you start, you might not see that, right? It might feel abstract. So what needs to change in a leader's mind so they kind of sense the system or hear it or? Again, I think it's that, um, that for some people it's very, it's more intuitive. In some cultures, it's more intuitive. If you think of, there are certain cultures and right now I live in one in the US where if you look at from a cultural 
intelligence perspective, if you look at different countries, U.S. is more of what is known as an I-centered culture. So it works from and it leads from me and my responsibility. Uh, there are other cultures, uh, many of the Asian cultures amongst them, and some of the, I grew up in South Africa, the South African culture, despite, despite all the bad things that's happened in the past, is more of a we-centered culture. So in, in organizations and in cultures where it's very I-centered, it's more difficult. It's about me and my performance as leader. And that's sometimes a more difficult access point. But once the leader begins to realize that it really is up to not only me, but to us as a team, to us as an enterprise to make this shift, that becomes easier. That then opens the door to get more collective input, to put the problem out in front for everybody to look at, to take that input and then begin to work with that very differently. So it really is the leaning into the realization or just try out that leadership's a role. The role of CEO is mine. And the buck does stop with me. But if in the decision-making process, I can begin to look around and ask everybody from your seat as part of this system, as part of this enterprise, as part of this team, as part of this department, what do you think are the best things to do? What do you see working? So if we begin to get that collective input where everybody step into that kind of sharing, that's when we begin to practice the seeing and the hearing and the sensing of the information that comes from the team itself. Uh, because we can begin to see overlap. And that's very different uh, for me as a leader, uh, just taking count of things and then take a vote and make it happen. That's, that's, that's a little bit more strategic. So system-inspired leadership is more in the direction of working with complexity which resonates very well with what we talk in agile space right now, right? About the complexity and yes. address that complexity. Can you speak a little bit about that? Like why complexity and how is that related? Because I think that up to now in our society, we've always worked with complexity, but complexity is about solving problems that we've got uh, evidence that it works. But more and more as humanity evolves, and if you look at just even in nature and in quantum physics, there's a complexity that cannot rely on the answers that was good enough for the, for the complicated. I was in a call just before you and I started talking where we started talking about how do you, when you work with a team, um, how do you work with that complexity in decision-making? And the only way that you can do it is one of, the comp one of the ways that you can do it is one of the competencies that we have for a systems-inspired leader as a competency is that as a leader, I need to be able to see the system, I need to be able to hear the system, and I need to be able to sense it. Now, hearing, we are more uh, familiar with. We're going to have a meeting, we can get everybody's input, and then we can make a vote, and then we go from there. That's 
complicated. When we begin to look at seeing, then it's what is it that we see that is different from what we hear? People may speak compliance, but what we look at results and outcomes, we don't see in the background uh, compliance that matches with the vote that we got that said yes when we listened. When we, so we begin to look at uh, behaviors, at what, what does it look like, not only what people say uh, and we can hear. The other piece of the call that we were on just now was a lot of sensing and sensing is about awareness of we talk about it as emotional field, but if you think about you walk into a team and immediately you have, whether you call it spidey sense or whether you call it intuition or whatever you choose to call it, but there is a field, there's an atmosphere that tells you that something is going on. That's sensing. And we don't always work with that because that's complex. So what are the ways, what are the tools and skills that we have that we can better sense? Uh, because uh, seeing that constellation of who's sat next to whom and um, who is on a, a black box on the televisions on the uh, screen in front of me because they are on a phone and they are not necessarily seeing what's happening in chat. Um, that's a different way of seeing that only some people have information. That literally is seeing behind and beyond what people are saying. Sensing is one of the ways that we often do it is when you have that feeling that you walk into a meeting where something like that happened, you can sense there's something going on. We all do it. You walk into a restaurant, the days that we could do that, suddenly it's like, hmm, I'm not sure that this is where I want to eat. You sensed something. Sensing, how do we measure and work with that? Uh, using metaphors is a great way to do that. You sense something like that. And if you can ask the team to just go quiet for a moment and if they have to give a weather report from where they're sitting, what's the weather that they're sitting in? That's using a metaphor is less threatening and it's a smaller edge to cross for people. It feels safer than to say something like, I'm making up that Joe is upset. That put Joe on defense immediately. That made me a judger. And that's not an easy way. Now the atmosphere gets worse. But if we go, well, it feels like some places in the room, the one that I'm sitting in, it feels like there's some cloudiness. Somebody else says where I'm sitting, it feels like the sun just got out. Can you begin to feel how you've sensed what's happening and you made them aware of it without calling anybody out, without interpreting, but just speaking to that. And that gives us a very different place from which we can then continue the conversation forward. I remember when I did the Orosk series, right? There were some modules which were very heavily on those metaphors and uh, super intangible for me. And uh, I don't know if you know, but I have a technical background. 
and yeah, I do. Uh, I do. all that yeah. stuff was like I'm still looking for the word because I was frustrated I felt I could never use it and then I still remember that about a year after right I was actually in a situation with a client and I was using it and then I reflect the evening right I came back home I reflect I was like I was doing it, this exact thing, which I thought, and it actually helped them. Yes. So what would you recommend people like me? I know what helped me, I just keep trying, right? But do you have some like hint for people who are like me with a technical kind of, um, you know, world, less etheric maybe. And when you speak about those metaphors or better or something, they are afraid they become scared, like I can never use it. So what would you suggest for people? Well, what is so interesting for me is the a name that my last name that you and I just joked about how difficult it is to pronounce um, is uh, thank you to my uh, late husband who was Irish. So it's Irish. Um, but if you, but he was an engineer and I was always amazed and I see the same thing with agilists. There are so many who identify as being what you just said, but there is it's simply a disavowed self. It's a self that just hasn't been called forward to actually shape and show. Um, if, if you could there begin to uh, think in terms of even, you know, tech examples, but keep, take it a little bit outside of the normal of tech. There's a, a call I was on a couple of weeks ago where uh, it started getting strange. I don't know what was going on. So I'm a fiddler. So when I'm sitting in front of calls, I have to keep my hands out of the camera because I'm fiddling with a stone or I'm busy with something. I'm a fiddler. Um, so what I, but not everybody is. So what I asked them to do is to just close their eyes for a moment and everybody was in front of their screen, wherever they were, close your eyes for a moment. And then um, with closed eyes, just reach out and pick something up that's in front of your, that sits on your desk or whatever is in front of you. Um, people did that and then asked them to not show it yet, but just sit with it for a little bit, look at it and how does this object reflect what you feel right now in the whatever the object does. If it's a pencil, it writes. If it is, um, because it, can you feel how these days what is in front of us on the table is not so tech, it more, it's more on that uh, different level. I had somebody who picked up a stapler and we saw, and then afterwards said people, okay, just show whatever, show when you're ready, show the object that you picked up and what information you could get from that. Somebody had picked up a stapler which these days not many people use anymore, but it's there. And somebody picked up the sample and said, what I get is how I try to staple things together. I tried to make the pages fit in sequence. Then I staple them together. And I think that's part of what's happening for me in this call. I'm trying to staple things together, but what I need to do is let the pages fall and then see how they come together. That meta 
it, it was using a metaphor that people didn't even realize it was a metaphor of what's going on. Then by the time that we listened to everybody in terms of what that thing does, whether it was a, uh, a chip or whether it was a cell phone, whatever it was, if they begin to look at how does this thing represent what I do all the time? What's good about it? What's bad about it? What if that is missing or present here now? Anything like that. You begin to get a collective input that is outside of the complicated thinking level, but takes them more to complexity. Well, if these, if this is really what's going on for us, sensing, then how do we create from this? So that's just an example that happened um, earlier and uh, is another example of what you just talked about is how do we make it simple, practical, but begin to access the non-linear thinking mind to help us problem solve. Nicely said. And you have experiences from many different organizations, right? In different contexts, different industries and I feel that very often a good story is more than any frameworks or tools. So uh, can you share with us some story from an organization how this whole of working on relationships and this uh, system leadership really, system inspired leadership really helped them or uh, just I'm even looking for a story to make it a little bit more practical, right? Like what happened? Yeah. Uh, I think that um, one of the places that, if I look through the lens of Systems Inspired, um, is uh, it, during a, when I'm thinking about the lands that we all are sitting in at the moment, where the pandemic and what it did and the impact on everybody, there was a... Um, a session that I did with a group of coaches um, shortly after the start of the pandemic. And I have repeated and done this kind of work in organizations as well. So let me give you an organizational situation. No, the pandemic one is emotionally more significant. And then I can give you organizational examples as well. Um, so very often there's, a, there's something that is challenging, troubling, and we struggle with it. And we don't know how to fix it. We don't know how to work with it. And there is a reacting to it. One of the principles of relationship systems intelligence is that systems are in a constant state of emergence. Yes, we react to it. That's part of what needs to happen, but how do we create from it? So, the pandemic is one of those things that there was a lot of reacting to it. Normalize that. It's useful. That's what we need to do. But then how do we create from it? And one of the ways that we can create from it that I did uh, with this a team of coaches uh, to an internal organization was, uh, so we talked about the pandemic. We talked about all that was bad about it. Um, and then I asked them to just for a moment, imagine that they are in conversation and that the pandemic itself is something that sits in a chair across from them. And just imagine that they are now directly in conversation with the complaints that we're just speaking about with the pandemic itself. Um, 
and had them in chat box put what it is that they say into the pandemic, how they are angry, whatever, what I put all of that in the chat box, then asked them to switch from their own seat and imagine for a moment that they are sitting in the chair of the pandemic itself. What does it say? What does it want from us? And there were amazing things coming out at the end of that. Uh, we had people talking about the pandemic says, look around at nature as a result of the fact that you don't travel as much anymore. Look at what's happening to wildlife. Look at what's happening to, uh, look at how you now need to be able to bring the personal into the professional when you are at work. So there's a lot of things. Uh, the pandemic actually had great information for everybody to walk away with. That's an example of doing something strange, but it actually is getting information from the system itself, the, the system that we're working with. I did work with, no, the client part of it is that there was a, a merger and acquisition that happened uh, between, it was a, uh, a merger in the gaming industry that ended up having uh, two different um, uh, industries, gamers, game fields in the industry coming together to merge. And there was a lot of difficulty and there was, so we did a lot of work with them to work with the merger and how do we value what each one of them brings and new value systems and new action plans and their uh, strategies and stuff like that. One of the things that I did towards the end of the work that we were doing with them was something similar to this. So we've done values, we've done uh, vision, we've done strategy, we've done hard work around all of those things. Uh, and then in our second last session, we also, we led them up to this point where, and there was this one person who just the entire time that we were working with them, this was in person still, there was this person that would roll his eyes and he was in the legal and uh, police kind of direction uh, around some of these things. And, uh, you know, worked with him and, uh, but he was participating in, and continuing on. And then what we did with him was ask them the same question. For a moment, imagine that you are sitting in the chair of the name of the merger. Let's just say, video camera, because that's what I'm looking at the moment. Imagine that you are sitting in the seat of this company that you call video, that now is the company that both of all of you are lining up with and working with. We've looked at all the things that we want, that you want from different sides. Asking you now for a moment, we're gonna give you five minutes to write some things down but imagine that you are sitting in the seat of the new company called Video. What is its dreaming? What is its vision? What does it want? And we gave them a series of questions. Speak from there, make some notes. And then we had them, so we gave them quiet time. Then we had them for a little bit, they were in tables of 10. Then we had them for a little bit debrief with one another and decide what it is that they will share out to the large group. It was a group of about 260 people. 
So they did their work together and uh, got ready to report out to the large group. The person that first stood up was that gentleman I just talked about that was rolling his eyes and that was struggling with everything. And when he stood up internally, I went, oh goodness, we're almost closing, here we go again. But he stood up and he said, I have to tell you that what just happened and what we just did gave me more information about what needs to happen than any of the other work that we've done before together. Thank you. That's an example of we had to listen, we had to meet them where they are and hear from everybody, everybody. Um, then begin to look for themes, then begin to work with task forces, then begin to do so simple as well as complex. We had to do all of that, but in the end, leading all of that towards this space where they really could sit down and hear from that enterprise web that is the new system itself, what does it need? It's truly everybody is in service of that. So that's a, a, a two real, real examples of what, if we really step it up in this direction, that everybody is the voice of the system, that we need to get all of the information, that we need to begin to bring them together, that, uh, and then begin to look what is and hear and sense what does the system itself want. That's what we're talking about as revealing the system to itself, whether it's the enterprise, whether it's a team, once revealed to itself, the actions become much simpler. And that's then designing and creating from the complex, uh, combining it with the complicated. So I know it's a long story, but these are powerful examples of actually how it works in the field. Thank you for sharing. It's been great examples. And, you know, if you can turn back couple of years back, maybe many years back, when you were starting working with those organizations, right? Imagine that time, your journey. What was the most difficult when you started? And what is the one lesson you might sort of recommend people, you know, if going back sometimes might reveal some of those things. So what would you recommend us? Yeah, I think one of the challenges was we also in System Inspired Leadership talk about vertical development of me as a leader. I think one of the challenges was the vertical development that I needed to do in order to be in service. It's really looking at the places where I was stuck. Um, by nature, I'm somebody that wants to contribute and help everybody. And we need to get clear about who really are the people that are my clients, my work this lifetime. So I think the difficulty piece for me was really knowing where is it that I can have impact and that is mine to do versus all the places where I think I should. And so if I just look at our journey in Sierra Global, it was a journey that started with coaches, that started in coach training organizations because that was a field that was ready, available, willing 
to continue to evolve thinking like this. That was 20 years ago. What we see now is that that has shifted and evolved to incorporate uh, the work that we're sitting talking about at the moment, that is uh, the agile world, that is the corporate world, that it is. So I think one of the biggest challenges was that there was information, there was work that I was called to do, but I struggled to know, wait a minute, if it's not for everybody, then for who is it and where do we focus? I think that's one of the things is to really know what is mine to do? What am I called to do? and ability to say no to the places where somebody else could do a better job with that than I can. It's, I think it's those kinds of choices uh, that sometimes are difficult and challenging. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Where do you see a future of organizations? I think it's in line with what we're busy talking about is that I think that the nature of systems is complexity and that when we look from a leadership perspective, when we look from a cultural perspective, when we look from political, from any point of view that you want to look at, you can see the diversity um, in terms of memes, in terms of emotional, social relationship systems, intelligence, evolutions. There are different memes, different fields, but I do think and do see that there is a coalescing and an upward motion. When I, when I say upward, I'm talking in terms of memes, that it is there is a, uh, from an integral uh, perspective, there's a different meme that's coming up. There's a different um, cohesiveness group that's coming together in evolution. And I think what we see, if I look at the findings of the Deloitte survey uh, last year in 2020, 20, when they found that the biggest challenge for corporations at the moment, and that will be in 2020, 21, would be the biggest challenge in 2021 for organizations, for corporations globally, would be how do we, I, how do we create a sense of belonging? Because what's happened with the pandemic that changed the structure and social structure of organizations, um, there was a, where do I fit? How do I belong? How do I continue to do what I do? So um, the sense of belonging for a corporate discovery of that, I think points to the direction that evolution is going, that is in terms of um, holding conscious and intentional relationship, valuing the web of connection, not just the me, in service of creating a sense of belonging, um, and in service of creating sustainability, which is the challenge that now is showing up globally. How do we sustain belonging? How do we sustain the shifts and changes that we need to make in getting things handled in 2020? Um, so I think that when you look there, it's much closer to, we shifted from industrial to more people oriented to now really being in that meme that is beginning to look at the value of connection. I think it's one of the reasons why we're talking about that, the why, the reason for being um, a CRI Global is because as a company, we believe that relationship matters. 
And I think it's becoming more and more visible in different ways everywhere. So I think the future really is in valuing that web of connection that is humanity across diversity. I think that's the crisis that we are in at the moment. How is that fight to find? How do we belong? How do we connect even though we are very different? Uh, and I think that corporately and uh, on all levels, that includes finding the connection between humanity and nature. And we can go on and on and on because it's uh, our universe, everything is a web of connection. And until and unless we pay attention to the webs of connection, it'll break and it will break until we can begin to fix it by leaning into connection. Well, thank you very much. It was a lovely conversation with you today. The last few things, is there anything you would like to recommend people who are listening to us? I th yeah, I think um, have a read at um, Creating Intelligent Teams, uh, Leading with Relation Systems Intelligence, because there are things that we talk about there, Dr. Anna Rod and myself, um, talking about there in terms of what are the principles of systems intelligence? Mm -hmm. And how do we create from that? So there's five principles of system intelligence. There's also a different piece that is about meet the stages of systemic evolution uh, and functioning that is around meet, reveal, align, and act. So uh, in creating intelligent teams, there's a lot of, of good stuff that feeds in this direction. Uh, we're looking at uh, the book that you referenced around systems inspired leadership that really is for leaders, team leaders and team members as well, that really talks about what are the competence that we need to have um, if I want to be a systems inspired leader, not just a top down leader. We're hoping the book will be out somewhere in September, uh, October. Um, and then, you know, I think really Google and look the other work that is uh, Senge and uh, Marshall Goldsmith that talk about what got us here won't get us there. Uh, there's just this, uh, Brene Brown's work is in the middle of all of this and really is one of the things that shifted corporate thinking or got access to corporate thinking around uh, vulnerability and courage. So there's a ton of information out there at the moment uh, that really points us to how do we connect? And even in um, your, our own agile world that talks about uh, people over process, um, that's about relationship. How do we, uh, the books that you've written, that really, um, the Lisa Atkins and other people that really talks about uh, webs of teams is actually what it's about. And then, you know, also get interested in some um, modern systems thinking pieces, get interested in uh, things like, uh, uh, you know, some quantum physics pieces that are talking about interdependence uh, and different things. There's a coalition at the moment of different thought schools, schools of thoughts that's really moving in the same direction that is about web of connection. How do we work with that? Thank you for your recommendations and thank you for joining me today at this podcast. It's been my pleasure. You're so welcome. And uh, I'm going to say goodbye with my favorite Ubuntu saying again, if we want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, let's go together. It's about going together. So thank you for another opportunity to go together. Thank Not you. us, but all of us.
Well, thank you very much. In a summary, working with relationship systems can be imagined as everybody on a team holds a piece of a string and everybody on their team is connected through that string and everybody in an enterprise is connected through the same string and if you pull one string, it goes through the entire web of that connections. It's all connected. System-inspired leadership is the key piece for being successful in nowadays world. It consistently helps leaders to remove stress, as it's not just up to me to make that shift, but on all of us as a team, us as an enterprise to make that shift. The sharing and collectiveness makes it easier. It's more in the direction of working with complexity where relationship matters. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shekhova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sochova.com S-O-C-H-O-V-A dot com Thank you for listening.